to be, you know, the circumstances around you to begin to dictate how you feel. Now, let me, before we pray, just kind of get us all thinking the same way. Um, it's been over 100 degrees, hasn't it, for quite some time. Now, how many people would rather it be about 72 degrees inside? And Yeah, but because it's not, sometimes we can get to a point where we feel like we're kind of, you know, all of a sudden coming down a little lower. But we're not going to allow ourselves to be there this morning or tomorrow. Can you allow yourself right now to let God be God in your life? Because if we can choose to let God be God in our life now, we don't always get to a place of an emergency where we're saying, God, you got to come now. We've already allowed God. We've already invited God into our lives right now to be God. So before the message comes forth, I just want us to just clear our minds. Let's pray. God, you are such a loving father. And God, every time that we look in Scripture, it, it's just, it's so evident that your love for your people, and God, we are your people. And today when we hear this message, God, if, if there was a, a verbal picture that we could see with our eyes, I, I pray that we would all just be gathered around you as your word goes forth, that God, that we could we could hear and again, be comforted that no matter the circumstances, no matter the weather, the storms that are blowing, that God inside of us, we carry your word, which gives us sunshine no matter what, gives us peace. And Father, that we are able in, in, a, in a troubled time to be able to have peace because of your word in us, your Holy Spirit living and residing in us. In your name we pray. Amen. There was a little boy and he was in the kitchen with his mother and his mother said, uh, Honey, would you go down the little hall here and get into the pantry and bring mommy some peaches? And the little boy, it was in the evening and the little hall leading down to the pantry was pretty dark. And he he went down the hallway and he he opened the big pantry and it was so dark in there. She said, get the peaches. He said, it's dark. And the mommy said, Jesus is with you. Don't worry. He turned around and he looked into the dark pantry and said, Jesus, if you're in there, can you hand me out some peaches? Have you ever felt like that? That as a Christian we know or we should know that Jesus is with us in the middle of the storm. But a lot of times we pray, God, get us out of the storm instead of saying, God, take us through the storm. And God, as we go through the storm, we know that you're with us. And as we go through this, we're going to trust that, Father, that you have something better for us because we went through the storm. And listen to this, having a belief system, as we've talked about in the, the past, based and built on the Word of God, regardless of the culture that we're living in. Because the culture is always pushing and pulling on us as believers 
to kind of either compromise or mix a little bit of this philosophy or this little theology that we know is not God-made. It is man-made tradition. And to build a belief system based and built on the Word of God and believing regardless of the culture, it begins to be evident in us that it's amazing and awesome is the believer that that we know and influence the people that are around us. Now, this morning as we start this new series, I'm going to take you through things that God is showing me in my life. And when we talk about these things, it's easy for us that have been in church a long time to see it as a cliche. And and we've heard even the word cliche. Do you know what a cliche is? It is this, a phrase or an opinion that is overused. And it betrays the lack of an original thought. So we hear that God is with us in the middle of the storm. I know, I've been a Christian a long time. But when it's in the middle of the storm, when we're in the middle of the storm and the wind is blowing, if we haven't already decided and come to the realization that he's with us, let me tell you, most people that I know, and I've walked through this with them, even John Miller, if I am not continually allowing myself to put God in my frontal lobe in the middle of the storm, I begin to wonder, God, are you with me? And I begin to cry, just like most of us, God, get me out of the storm! Instead of inviting Him into the storm with me. Now in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about inviting God into our storms. Inviting God into our fires, into our fights, even into our boats. If you want to sum it all up, you could title this whole series Inviting God into Our Difficulties. In the book of Revelations, you know, you got to be a pretty good theologian to get into Revelations or you get, oh, what, ooh, Revelations, Pastor. Are we going there? In the book of Revelation, it talks about the devil and the, Satan and the ends of time and how the enemy comes and there's a warfare. And in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11, it says the believer, they triumph over him, the Satan, or the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. See, so it's not by what we're doing. It's by the blood of the Lamb of what Jesus has already done for us and by the word of their, say that with me, testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. they, They overcame by what Jesus did and the word of their testimony And they didn't even get to the place where they valued their life when it came to questioning, was Jesus real? Is is Jesus real in your life, the blood of the Lamb? Or, Or this, has He been faithful to you and brought you through the difficulties that you've experienced in life? Can I see your hand? Let's let's just can I just because a straw straw poll. How many people here today have ever been through a difficult situation? Let me see your hand. Put it up there high. All right. Now look around. Everybody has been through some kind of difficulty. So we're all on the same page. But it is this passage of scripture that gets me 
uh, motivated to say, God, in the test that I'm going through, when I'm in the middle of the storm and I'm saying, God, I don't want to go through the test, God says, hey, it's through you being uh, observant. As you're seeing me work and, and walk you through it, I'm right there with you. And when you come out of this storm and you might be ready to go into another storm, I want you to know I'll be right there with you again. In Mark chapter 4 is my passage today. We're going to jump in and out of this so that we can keep on uh, this, this title in inviting God into your storm. So Mark chapter 4 verse 35, I, I'm going to go back a little bit earlier in the chapter, but let's start there right now. In Mark chapter 4, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, I'm, I'm going to have you repeat some things, so stick with me. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Can you get a, a picture of that? Jesus coming down, let's go over to this. So I want you to say that. Let us go over to the other side. Ready? Let us go over to the other side. Some of you right there will get revelation that God will share with you that he shared with me years ago that I go back to that passage, I read that whole passage, but this is the phrase that I have to hold on to. Jesus is telling his disciples, there's one thing that you all ought to know and hold on to is we're going to be on the other side. Now, come on, I could, I could, I could do the T.D. Jakes. No, I couldn't do T.D. Jakes. But anyway, I'd like to think that I could do T.D. Jakes and really get the... Sheila. But what I'm trying to say is here he is and he's making a declaration to his disciples that says where we are isn't where we're going to be in a short period of time. He says, leaving, or it goes on to say, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. That's another key point. Took him along. Can you say that with me? Took him along. Just as he was in the boat, it has a little phrase here that says there were also boats with him, but just as he was in the boat, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Key word there is nearly if you've ever been on the ocean and you can't see land, nearly swamped is about as close as it gets. It says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now, I, I've always wondered this. If, if you've ever been in a John boat, I love the name of that, John boat, but, you know, if, if you've ever been in a John boat, the roughest part of the boat is usually in the stern because it's the thing that actually hits the waves on the way to wherever you're going. So not only is Jesus asleep, but he's picked probably the most roughest part of the boat to be in, to be asleep. I, I'm, I'm going somewhere on this. So I want you to realize that in the middle of your storm, it is not concerning the God of the storm. He's sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Do, do you hear what's coming out of our mouths when we're in the middle of the storm? We're going down. 
I, I don't know, maybe you, you have a tendency not to go that far that quick, but here's a group of men. They're men. They're manly men. And they have been on the water. They know what's going on. They know typically what's going to happen next. And they wake him up and they say, don't you care if we're going to drown? Now listen, don't let this be a cliche. He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves. He's talking to not a person, but a, a thing, the waves, the wind. Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now think of this. If you're in the boat with Jesus and that happens, you might experience the same thing they did. And maybe if you've been in a storm in your life and you've come through the other side, you're kind of like, I wonder why I worried so much in the middle of that storm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? See, that is the consequences of the problem, the consequences of the storm. They became fearful. And then he says, do you still have no faith? They were terrified. So now they're afraid again. They're afraid of the storm. Now they're afraid of Jesus. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I want to stop here and I want you to go with me to another part. And we're going to talk about now Mary Magdalene that was delivered of demons. How many would agree with me that she had a storm going on in her life? And just like we know demon-possessed people in the Bible, it was in a place where they didn't want to be. One demon possession uh, happened where the man began to cut himself and he broke chains and terrified people. Listen to this passage or this video out of the movie or TV show called The Chosen. And Jesus shows up and Mary Magdalene is about ready to be confronted or, or delivered as he comes into her storm. clip and, and often I can go back and watch that part what he is quoting is what Mary had learned as a little girl it's found in Isaiah 43 verse 1 and if you have your phones if you have your Bibles if you have notes if you have a camera that you'd like to take a picture of I'm going to read it because becoming people of faith is really becoming, listen, amazing, awesome people that our world needs. Not only do we need, oh, let me tell you, we need it first. But when we understand how much God loves us, in Isaiah 43, it says, now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And you are mine. 
See, a lot of times in the middle of the storm, we question the faithfulness of God. We question that if, is he going to be there? And when we pray, God, take us out of the problem, the temptation, the addiction, the, the, the relationship problem, the health issue. And we feel like, God, God, take us out. And we're still in the middle of the storm. Do we trust that he will walk with us all the way through it? We sing a song that's one of my favorite. And one of my whole sermon series, I had Lisa sing it every Sunday before we started. And it was that it's, it goes like this. He whispers in my ear and tells me that I'm fearless. He shares a melody and tells me to repeat it. And he makes me whole and he reminds my soul, my mind, my will, and emotions. He reminds my soul, I am all that he says that I am. Do you know what he says that I am? Who, he, who's, who he's saying that I am? I'm his. I'm his own. In the middle of the storm, if we forget anything, do not forget that He calls us His own. Because as soon as we realize and come with confidence in the middle of the storm, that He's saying, you are mine. You don't have to fear. See, I've redeemed you. You know, and again, I'm a pastor. I've gone through theology. I've gone through school. But let's, let, let me remind myself, the word redemption, to redeem, means in the past sense to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. Here's another one. To gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. Let me say it again. To gain or regain, that's what God did for us. He regained us in exchange for the payment of His Son dying on the cross for us. So in the middle of the storm, when we cry out, God, are you there? He says, what are you talking about? I'm right here with you. I paid the price for you. You are my own. I call you by name. You are mine. It goes to get even better in verse chapter, or chapter 43, verse 2. It goes on to say this. When you pass through the waters, and anybody gone through waters before, any troubles that you go, oh my goodness. Here's what he says. When you pass through the waters, I'm going to be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Now listen to this. When you walk through the, when you, when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. The flames will not set you ablaze. Notice that God doesn't say, I'm going to keep you from harm. You're going to go through tough times. You're my children. You're mine. I've redeemed you. You don't have to fear because I'm going to be with you. But I'm not saying that you're not going to go through some tough times. He says, I will be with you. And I'll be with you because I know, and I'm telling you right now, when the day comes, when you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, when when you when the day comes, I want you to know you're my children and you don't have to fear. Why? Because I'm with you. Why do you not have to fear? Because I've already redeemed you. And not only have I called you by name, but you're mine. Hear me. Some of us right now are going through things in our life in a troubled time in our history. And some of us are going through troubled seasons in our life where we're questioning this and questioning. I want you to say, God, I am yours. 
I can rest in your promises even when I don't see it, taste it, touch it, or feel it, even when I can't fathom. God, I know that I'm yours. Let me ask you, is it a greater testimony that God kept you from it or a greater testimony that he came into the storm, the fire, and brought you through it? See, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is there anybody in here? I don't. Anybody that would love to go through the valley of the shadow of death? I can like some adventure every once in a while, but not the valley of the shadow of death. You can have that all you want. Even as a child of God, even as a believer, I stay away from the valley of the shadow of death. But David says, even when people are around me that want to kill me, and they're looking, and, he, and all through the Psalms, you can read it. He's telling people, he's telling with, through the Psalms, all the, the songs that he's singing and stuff, that there are people there. The day has come, and they have come in his life when Saul was chasing him, and all the problems that he'll have later with Absalom, his own son, all the problems with all the elders of the, the different tribes that were causing problems at different times. David says, though, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have confidence. I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because God's with me. And, and he goes a little bit longer. And, and really, let me put it in our terminology. You know why he says, I don't even have to fear evil when I go through the valley of the shadow of death? Because God is picnicking. He's saying, come on over here. God, don't you see all those red eyes and mean people looking at us? Over here, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Would, would you like some lemonade? Come on. To, to have peace, sometimes we got to kind of put some picture with it, and, and say, and God is saying, "Do you like the chicken salad sandwich?" God, don't 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 you see all the stuff that's going on? All the people. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, you're, you're out here picnicking? Yeah. Because, David, I want to let you know that I'm in control. I'm the God of the universe. I've got everything that you need. Now, when I look at that passage, in, or read the passage, and we saw the video of Mary Magdalene, here she is in, in the part of her life where she is possessed and she knows it and, and she has to be set free and Jesus comes into her life in the middle of the storm and sets her free of that past. And when he, and when he, on that, that video, when, when again, to me, even in, in watching and allowing that to take part in my life, when Jesus says, do not fear, and he's quoting what they already knew, that here's God coming into Mary Magdalene's life and said, Mary, do not fear. For I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. David, always surrounded by people that would love to see his demise, but still God says, no, 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 I'm with you. I want to revisit the story of the disciples in the boat in Mark chapter 4. and I just want to say this because this is a powerful passage that you, you need to read Mark chapter 4 a lot. And, and just... Just slowly go through it because it starts off with the parable of the sower, of the seed and the sower. And the guy's casting seed, you know, the farmer's casting seed. And, and, and we'll learn a little bit later that the seed is the word of God. 
and some of it goes on hard ground, and, and some of it goes into uh, thorny ground, rocky ground, and some on good soil. In the good soil, later, as Jesus is explaining the parable, it, he talks about the good soil producing 30 to 60 and 100 fold even what was planted. So when the word of God is in the believer, in, in a good heart, what a good heart is, is somebody that receives what the word of God says. Instead, well, I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, that you receive and wade into it. Forget the traditions of men, what other people have said in your life. Just believe the word of God. Just read it as truth. And, and what happens is, here's what happens is the seed, though, I want to just kind of take this part that falls in, in, in the thorny ground, in context to this passage, I want us to focus on that because the seed that fell among thorns is described as the thorns are part of it is the worries of this life. And they come and choke out the word of God and make it unfruitful. So, so here's, here's, we're disciples of Christ. If you know and have made Jesus Lord of your life, you're followers, disciplined learners of Jesus. And, and in a few minutes when I let you go and you go to the community and you're in restaurants and you're at home with other family members that might not believe in God or you might talk on the phone, this equips us to be awesome and amazing in the world that we live in. This is why when we talk about faith and, and sometimes you go, I'm not there. This is the beginning. When we trust God to be in the middle of the storm with it. So, in Mark chapter 4, when he's talking about the seed, the Word of God, and you're reading the Word of God, let's say in the morning, and you're reading it, and you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. And, and wow, can I do that? Could I actually do that? And, and in Brianna's message, that's how people see Jesus and how Jesus leads people to God. And, and they can this, he's active in our lives right now. By allowing, watch this, people to watch us. So when you read the word of God, if if we're not, if it's if we're not conscious of it, we will allow worries of this life to come and choke what we know and not make it fruitful. Which means that we are not trusting God and we're not walking by faith that He's right here with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know how to say that three, four more times, but I hope you're getting this. This is something that right now we're targeting in our lives to work on. The worries of this life. In the middle of the circumstances, we allow, we invite God into our lives, into the difficulty that we're facing so that there's peace that comes into our life. See, when people look at you and they know you're going through maybe a, a death of a loved one, or maybe you're coming out of an addiction or something, and people go, how can you have so much peace in the middle of that? And sometimes they'll even question that, you know, you know, there's nobody that can go through that. Oh yeah, there is. Which then gives us the ability to be an influence on the community that we live in, such an influence that they go, you know, I, I need what you have. So listen to this, that we, we continually look inside of us to make sure that there's nothing that's making 
especially the worries of this life. And we've touched on this in the last couple of weeks, and we know it, where we're at right now, there's a lot of little things that are going on in our world, like maybe gas prices going up. And we're going, my goodness, I might not be able to eat out four nights this week. Have you gone to, this is a bad time. You go to a restaurant and you can't hardly get in. It's not that bad. God has blessed us enough to pay for the gas. Amen? Change your thinking. The worries of this life is not going to come in and choke out us having confidence in the Word of God for our lives. It goes on. Now it says, let me say it again. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. They should have said, again, we don't know how when the storm's going to blow, but we we remember what he said, so we're holding to it. Let's go. He said, let's go. We're going to go to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. The disciples took him along. They invited him into the boat. Again, walk with me on this. Are you inviting God with you daily? Now, listen, when when I say that, what we typically do is go, oh, yes, I do. Are, are you spending time with God in the morning? Pastor, you legalistic, I do it at night. No, I on this, yes, morning. Why? Because you're about ready to enter into the mission field, if you know it or not. Every time you leave the house, you're influenced. You are the influencer. So you need to spend time with God. And, and I'm not saying, okay, don't, don't get your mind going. you got to read half of the Bible before you leave. No. They took him along just as they were in the boat. A fierce squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So they were nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping in a cushion. The disciples woke and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. You know, we talked about that even Jesus said that we could do even greater things than he did. Do we not gravitate back to, well, that was Jesus and I'm not God. But when that limitation comes off of our minds, let let me put a kind of a, a, possibly something that will choke you, the word of God, out of your life. Could you speak to the wind and waves? Have you ever noticed that you could be watching TV and if there's a little thunderstorm coming by, sometimes the news guy will break in and he's in a cold sweat? I'm telling you, (laughs) it's coming. Listen, this is where people think you might be a little crazy. Do you not think that they thought Jesus could be a little crazy at the moment when he gets up out of the boat and speaks to the wind and the waves? Could you go outside your door and say, go around. You're not coming through this place. I could tell already. I don't know about that. Greater things. Pastor, could you pick something else? I like the water and the wine kind of thing right there, but could you pick something else? That's wrong. I apologize for saying that. Let's go on. Jesus is a stern. He gets up and he says, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He took his, he said to his disciples, why are you still afraid? 
do you still have no faith? What, what he was teaching at the first part of chapter 4, they, they had been given the word of God in Revelation. Now it was put to the test. That's why he's saying, do you, do you not get it? Are you not working your faith? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other. They, now they're not even saying, hallelujah, man, God, you brought me. They're more concerned about who in the world is this guy. But watch this. These guys had already watched people cleansed of leprosy. Now, now listen, during this time, that's impossible. That's like walking on Mars for some people. We're talking about a time when they think that the world is flat. But leprosy, there's no medicine that's going to heal leprosy. They've seen with their eyes leprosy healed. They've seen a boy raised from the dead. They saw water into wine, feeding of the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fishes. But listen, even though they had seen this, they had not decided that they were going to invite Jesus not only into the boat, but they were going to invite God into their lives during difficulty. Because now they're in a situation where it's more familiar to them. Even though they've never seen all those other miracles take place. Now, we're talking about a boat. We, we make our living in the boat. We make our living on the ocean or the, the sea. Nobody can talk to the wind and waves. And all of a sudden, God comes in, the creator of the winds and the sea, and tells the wind and the, the waves to calm down. Now, here's where we're going to go in more of a just a motivational sermon where everybody gets all, we can do it because God's with And we're going to learn something to take with us for weeks to come in our lifetime. To get to the place of proactive thinking, listen, this is it. It keeps us believers Amazing, awesome followers of God that can have peace and calm even in the middle of our storms. That we don't know, or we don't just know the knowledge that we should have peace, but that we do walk in peace in the middle of even the storm. Now watch this. The definition of being proactive is self-initiated behavior that endeavors to solve a problem before it has occurred. That went over like a rat sign, watch you. Then maybe you like this one. Proactive behavior involves acting in advance of a future situation, a future situation, rather than reacting to it. See, you've already decided before the storm comes, he's already told me we're going to the other side. It's building a fitness center instead of just a hospital. Somebody will get that in a little bit. Well, let me give you an example. It's called the Daffodil Principle. And, and some of this, some of you will get this. I know this. And some of this, you, you'll be like, yeah, that was cool. little illustration. But we're talking about a life-changing thing. Instead of just being on a diet for two weeks and losing two pounds, you know, we're talking about just eating right the rest of your life. So let me let me speak to you on that as a believer. This the story of a daffodil deal is kind of crazy, but it makes the point. 
a lady had been begged by her daughter to go to this Davidel farm. So finally they went, and, and the lady that's telling the story, she says she turns to the corner, and it looks like somebody just poured daffodils or like a, a sea of yellow ocean over the hillside. And when they came up to it, it was amazing of all these flowers that had been planted. I mean, it, it was so amazing that their, their mouth was open. And when they got close, there was a sign on the, uh, on the gate that said this. The questions I know you're asking. The first answer is 50,000 bulbs were planted. The second answer is one at a time by one woman, two hands, two feet. And the third answer is we began, or I began in 1958. Now, you go, hoorah! 50,000 daffodils. The principle is this. It is a lifelong commitment to a goal by taking one action every day. That you're consistent as a believer in the goal is inviting God into our difficulties. See, whenever... You hear somebody that achieved something great. Usually you don't think of the slow process that they did every day to get to that great achievement. You think of it as one big thing. They just woke up one day and they were that. Or they achieved that. Sometimes in our minds, or even in our culture, we forfeit understanding that the entrepreneur that got to his place had all these no's that were told to him before he got there. No, nope, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. No, you can't. So as a believer, here's what sometimes we miss is being a believer and being an awesome, amazing believer that people go, man, I need you in my life because you've experienced God in your life. It's in the consistent day in and day out deciding before the storm to put God in your life on a consistent basis. Now, now this, again, don't let it become a cliche if you've been in church. I know that, Pastor. I know that, Pastor. I know that, Pastor. The question is not knowing it. It is in doing it. Let me give you two things that I want to encourage you and what we're going to wade into in the next couple of weeks. It's doing the ordinary actions done consistently, such as planting daffodils or bulbs one at a time. And the second thing is the regular feedback that you get, noticing what's not working and what's working, improving, so that you can maximize the results of what's going on in your life. See, the woman that planted the daffodils, 50,000 of them over years and years of her life had to plant one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. But also she had to learn how to plant them and what worked the best for the best results. I'm using that only as an illustration, not for you to go out and buy daffodils. You hear me? Stick with me. It's in the 1% that we do daily over the amount of our life that will reap a result that there's no way that we think that would ever get there. Let, let me give you one example. We're going to go into this later. And, and I want uh, I want our worship team just to come up and sing that song again that he holds everything together.
See, the 1% that we do on a daily basis will compound over time and produce the results that we can only imagine. It's in the little things, the goal of inviting God into our difficulties. And why do we do things that we do as believers? You know, since Sunday school, Pastor John has heard, just pray and read your Bible. And in this church, we believe in confession. What comes out of our mouth matters because it's what's in our heart. But why do we do that? And then some of us, we go, well, it's been quite a while since I've prayed, read my Bible, and I'm saying some pretty bad things, you know, negative things out of my mouth. The reason why we do this is, again, what we're talking about, of putting God, number one, in our life to speak to things that are not as if they were to move, to maximize our potential of what God has created us to be. That when we wake up in the morning, when we spend time with God and while we pray and while we read our Bible, while we do a devotion, it puts God in the frontal lobe of our mind. It's called the rectangular activating system real quickly is this. When I bought my black truck, nobody has a black truck, so I chose a black truck. As soon as I got the black truck, I looked out and everybody's driving a black truck. Because it's, it's the ability then to see something that you did not see earlier. So when we pray and we spend time in the Word of God and we confess out of our, what we're doing is we're allowing God to come like all the way back there on the back of the stage, all the way to the front of the platform. So He's right here in our minds. So during the day that we're walking and He's with us, even when we go through the storm. Say, Pastor, I'm good. The test, listen, a testimony is a story you get after you've gone through the test. So this morning, if I said, okay, it's your turn. Come on up here. Tell me your testimony. Well, I just really can. I really don't. That's what I'm saying. When you're getting up and you're spending time with the Lord, you'll watch how your life will begin to change. The way that you look out of your eyes, the way that you see things, people will come and they'll go, boo! And you go, I'm not scared anymore like I used to be. Can I get some amen from our Pentecostal church? Did you go home? Come on! All right, worship team, come on up here. I picked this song for Brooke to sing. I know Lisa is probably watching us. She's on a business trip and she's probably singing this right with us. We miss her, but boy, let me tell you, these young people are going to bring it. I want you, if you can, physically stand. When you're reading these words, listen, it's not knowing the words, but can you say, and I believe that I will see the goodness of God. When you say, I believe, let's say, I believe. That's like saying it to the world. God, I realize that even in the middle of the storm, you're with me. Watch this. Allow God to be God. There we go. <laughs>